0: Still counting down to Pentecost, day 42. I hope you're looking forward to that day. In Romans, the third chapter, Paul makes this statement in his epistle. What advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there? circumcision, of circumcision. He says, much, every way, chiefly because that to them were committed the oracles of God. My question today is what advantage our belief and our living in this way and believing in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In connection with my last week's sermon on baptism, I want us to think about our relationship to Christ and how he is taking care of us and providing for us on a daily basis. And the advantage of believing in him as our personal Savior at the right hand of the Father. In John the 10th chapter, Jesus says, we Are his sheep. It's a loving thing that he preaches here to those that are standing around. And I've always loved this, this series here, but I just want to read a few verses, not the not the whole thing. Beginning in chapter 10 of John, beginning in verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name they bear witness of me but you believe not because you are not my sheep as I said to you my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So do we feel like we are Jesus' sheep, that we have that solid relationship with him, that he is our shepherd? Because that is a tremendous advantage to be in that relationship. I didn't give this to, to Brian, but in John, the 14th chapter, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And in Matthew, the fifth chapter, he goes through so many of those commandments. And I'm not going to take five, six, and seven up today, but you can read them and, and, and look and understand the relationship and the advantage of keeping the commandments that Jesus talks about, including, as he says, Not one, or jot or tittle, that will be taken from the law. Till all be fulfilled. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And a lot of places it says, divinely favored. Divinely favored. I think to inculcate these into our life is pleasing to our Savior. Blessed, or divinely favored, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. All of those are so positive. Such an advantage that Jesus has given you. And after, And I wasn't going to go through this because sometimes we, we, we feel a little bit cloistered when we have to understand that there are sometimes persecutions but from Mark's message I would like to read these couple of verses here also blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we don't know do we in this day and age what kind of persecution that we might run into what kind of problems um, Christians around the world who claim to understand and believe in Christ are being persecuted are losing their lives and then even Families, of like the Coptic Christians in that bus. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. And so we see some instruction, some some positive instruction from Jesus how we can be in that divine favor. Blessed. Blessed. And of course, his Sermon on the Mount continues on and there's so much in there. We won't go into that today. I have um, some points today that I'd like to share in this. What advantage? What advantage is there in being a Christian, in living this way of life, of keeping the Sabbath, of keeping the Holy Days? What advantage do we have over all the rest of the world? And yet, we know that we're like the rest of the world. We're just human beings living our lives. And yet, we have been called out of this world. We have been called out for a special calling. And God loves us. And that's the first point. God and Jesus Christ loves us. Romans 8. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter. We know all of these scriptures, but today we're going to be reviewing and looking at the advantages of keeping this way, of living this way. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And you can read all of Romans 8. I love that chapter. But right now, I'm just breaking into it for this very thought. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See how those are tied together and how they, they work together in us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One verse in Galatians, the second chapter, one verse, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You could take that scripture and apply it to yourself because that is exactly why it's written. That's why it is there. I am crucified with Christ. When we went into that watery grave, Nevertheless, I live, when we came back up out of that watery grave, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. His sacrifice is so important. In Ephesians, in Ephesians the second chapter, in Ephesians, the second chapter, and from four to eight, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by like grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly praises in Christ Jesus. It's almost like we're already in the kingdom of God. Once we make that decision, once we are baptized, and once we come up out of that watery grave, we are a part of that kingdom. You read these words that Paul writes, and you understand that there is almost like, all right, you're in it. You're ready to go. I'm just, I'm just waiting for that time when my kingdom will come to this earth, and I will put my children in my kingdom. And has raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places, In Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly, exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is such a loving, caring God and Jesus Christ that they have given this gift of eternal life. Looking forward to that. I have some more to talk about that later in the message, too. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, trying to make it easy, not a lot of turning here. Just Scriptures, one right after the other, one and two. Be you, therefore, followers of God as dear children. (laughs) God and Christ are eternal. We're, 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 We're less the babes, we're almost in the womb. And so we're like dear children to them watching over us, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Making all of this possible, making our life possible through Jesus Christ, making our hope possible through Jesus Christ. In 1 John 4th chapter. First John, the 4th chapter. Two verses here, 18 and 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he lo- first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And we're very familiar with John 3. I didn't. I, I thought I'd put that down, but I guess I didn't. I'm going to go to that anyway. That's John 3. Let's see. Maybe I've got that later in mind. Let me make sure that I don't pick it up twice here. go to John, the third chapter, 14, 15, and 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God is so deep and so strong that he gave his son looking into the future so that those that believed on Christ could have everlasting life. Coming into the kingdom, being a part of that family. That's what it's all about being a part of the family one other thought that I didn't put in there was that now God loves us so much that he through the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ his throne is open we can go before him we can pray to him we don't have to go through anyone we can physically come and spiritually I think we're standing in front of that beautiful throne. Jesus Christ at the right hand of, of the Father. And they are exuding their love for us and their desire that we be in their kingdom. And their desire that we have a place in that kingdom. And they look as though we are going to make it. We're, we're written in that book of life. And if we don't turn our back on God, we will be there in that kingdom. Grace. Now, this is a very large subject. very difficult to talk about. But I want to I cover a little bit of grace here today because it's an important part of the relationship that, that God has with his children. Let's turn to Romans, the first chapter. and Let's read what Paul has to write here about this. Beginning... In verse 1 through verse 7, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle, separated to the gospel of of God, which he promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom you also, um, among whom you also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love those salutations at the beginning of his epistles because they are so full of of powerful messages. Just in those few verses, he has has laid some groundwork for his epistle to the Romans. Grace, I found in Thager's really interesting, um, many different, ways of, of uh, bringing this out, but Thayer's uh, lexicon has this definition. Goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. That's grace. But he also goes on with this. Of the merciful kindness which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ keeps Strengthens, increases them in Christ, in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. And so God working in us is grace. God working in us and seeing Christ there. In Romans, the third chapter, I'm very familiar with all of these scriptures. 23 through 26 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God we could all quote that by heart all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation That's a sacrifice a, a, an appeasement through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus you see the advantage because we believe in Christ, we also have that relationship with God. He sees Christ. He sees the sacrifice. And he is willing to forgive our sins. For we have sinned. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Even the new man that comes out of that watery gla- grave also has the problems. We're trying. We're overcoming. We're working on our lives. But we still have those problems, don't we? We are still... Um, with that weakness, we still have those weaknesses, and we need the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the loving kindness, of Jesus Christ, as He sits at the right hand of the Father, as He does daily, hourly. Um, what was it? I, was, I remember reading some um, something about. He's always available 24/7, 365 days in the year. You've got businesses have that 365 days a year, 24/7. Well, that's God the Father and Jesus Christ. They are always available for you to go to them to pray, to ask, and to grow in faith and knowledge. In, in Romans, the fifth chapter and beginning with two verses here, one and two. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherewith we stand, and rejoice in hope for the glory of God. It gives us great peace to understand that they have a, a love for us, a place for us uh, a relationship with us they dwell in us through the Spirit there is so much in the Bible about all of these things that that we have in here in 1st Corinthians the first chapter verse 1 through 9 as we look at this through grace once again this is another salutation by Paul It really does good to read all of the salutations and all the epistles. They're very powerful uh, that Paul has written. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sophonies, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Whenever I read that, I realize there's something so powerful in that. Called to be saints chosen brethren. Sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes we walk through our life and we really forget at that one t- point there was a calling that was happening in our life. We were, I got to go find out. I got to find out if this is real. I've got to look into this. I got to look into the Sabbath. I've got to find out. And of course this, you've grown up in this way. And that's different. That those of us that that were outside of it, grew up in the world, there is a point in which we we come to that where we have to find out because God is moving us to that. And those that, are in, that grow up in the church, God also, through your reading, your studying, your, uh, He also wants you in His kingdom. He wants His children who are growing up in this way in His kingdom. He loves each and every one of us. And to be called a saint. We don't have to <laughs> we don't have to be like the Catholics who have to die and then they go through all of this to become a saint. We're already called saints in the Bible. The ones that are followers of God are called saints. With all that are in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from our God and our, from God our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. It seems like they want us to understand that through that grace there is a peace that comes over us. We have a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ, and there is a great peace that should come over us understanding that that in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Has the testimony of Christ been established and confirmed in each one of us? Search yourself. Think about that. Has the testimony of Christ been confirmed in each and every one of us who have accepted Christ as our personal Savior? So that you come behind in no gift, wanting or waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Christ that's going to bring us into the kingdom. And it's going to be God's glory and the glory of Jesus Christ, not ours. Because we know our own weaknesses, don't we? We know where we're weak. We know where we have problems and, 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 and not able to really overcome some things. We know where we're weak. And so it's going to be to, to their glory when we come into that kingdom. It will be to their praise, to God's praise. When he brings us blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Faithful to the end. A promise that will be kept. As long as you keep going in this way, He will keep His promise, and we will be in that kingdom. In Ephesians 1, another, another one of those salutations, some beautiful words in Ephesians it's just so full, so powerful. Can't cover everything. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. That's us. So these messages are all the Ephesians, all the Corinthians, all the Galatians that they were these epistles were written to, they're all gone. What's left is you and I so we're the Ephesians that this message is, is written to. We are the saints, which are at Ephesus or at Tulsa, Oklahoma, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, which we are. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, brethren, and peace. Paul, tying those two together, give us a strength. In this way, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus according to his chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Christ, by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Take them in, brethren. Take all of this in, because there's a loving kindness there, understanding the weakness of human flesh and the weakness that we are. He has such a loving kindness for us. And Paul brings all of that out in his messages and his epistles. And sometimes you can just read one or two verses and be encouraged by by that love and that grace and that mercy and that peace that comes from God. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Verse 8, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation and the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom we also trusted, that after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, You see the process in which God goes through to bring us into the kingdom, to make sure that we make it into the kingdom of God? All of those things that he is doing in our life to make this work. We are going to be in the kingdom. Always have that in your heart and your mind. That we, through his work in us, will bring us into the kingdom. It's not us. We understand that. But if we continue to believe in his grace and that peace and his love that he has for us, we will be in the kingdom. We'll be in that. Whether he comes and we're alive and we're changed or whether we are put six feet under and that call comes and we are resurrected. No matter which, God knows us because our spirit, his spirit dwells in us. And we are quickened by that Spirit. Not going into that today, that would be a separate subject. Verse 13, In whom uh, you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That's a mouthful, I know. But that's very interesting in what he says. The earnest of our inheritance, it's a small down payment until the redemption, which will come, which is the change into the spirit, of the purpose uh, of the uh, purchased possession, because we are purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, to the praise of his glory not ours, His glory. Remember that. It is the glory of God to bring us into His kingdom. It will be His glory when He shows His sons to the rest of the world and we we go out into the world and preach that gospel as spirit beings. The good news of that kingdom in which we will be a part of. Eternal life is the next... What advantage? Can you imagine any greater advantage than living all eternity with God the Father and Jesus Christ and doing whatever they want to do? Look at what he's done so far. All of this universe, all of the things that are out there, everything that is available. And he's put us on this earth. John, there's... Let's go to Romans six. I've already read John. I was trying to find that one. I've already read that one. Let's go to Romans, the sixth chapter. Brian, I'm sorry, I'm got that a little bit out of order. Romans six and verse twenty-three. For the wages of sin is death. That's your payment for sinning. Death. To the ultimate. To the ultimate we know, that death is eternal death. It's not hell, (laughs) burning forever in hell. The wages of sin is dying forever. Being wiped, all of our, the memory of that person being wiped out. Because of the sin. But the gift of God, the gift, the loving gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he really wants to give everyone on the earth. He doesn't want to withhold or to to have someone go into the lake of fire. Only those that are totally incorrigible, that will not repent, are going to see that death. What God really wants to do is he wants to give the gift of eternal life to all. We have that promise already, but we should want that promise for all of mankind and not want to see anyone perish. Just like God doesn't want to see anyone perish. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The positive is the gift of God of eternal life. Now remember, at the end of baptism, you receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. Titus, the third chapter. Titus 3, beginning of verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Sometimes that's still a part of our life and it should be eliminated. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Lord. I the right. Okay, that being justified by um, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of eternal life. First John. You can meditate on those scriptures and take them further on sometimes that's easy that they actually bring forth some other thoughts other scriptures that come to mind that tie in to these scriptures I'm only bringing a very small part of this message which could be have a lot of different points to it but I just wanted to focus on these these points in John the first chapter or first John the second chapter and beginning in verse 24 Twenty-five. Let that, therefore, abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. It's not very conceivable for human beings sometimes to think about eternal life. When we see people die, we go to funerals, we do, you know, Sometimes relatives, close close people, and we see them die. Sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend life eternal, never dying. Thousands and thousands of years later, still alive, still brilliant, still generating energy because we're going to be like Christ in that kingdom, abiding in in the glory of God. In First John, the 5th chapter, and beginning in verse 11 and 12. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. That's pretty positive. If, you'd accept, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have life and we've accepted Him, that life will take us into the kingdom of God. Eternal life. We are sealed, special to God. He loves us. He loves us individually. Again, verses 20 and 21. The last two verses in 1 John, the fifth chapter. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us An understanding that we may know Him, that is true. And we are in Him, and that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Amen. Let's read that again. And we know that the Son of God is come. Do we know that the Son of God has come? Do we really believe that? I do. I believe that he came. He lived on this earth. That he was sacrificed and rose again the third day. And has given us an understanding that we may know him. That is true. It's written in this book. Not only that, it's written in the pages of the Old Testament. It was prophesied of His coming. This powerful message. And we are in Him, that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, and eternal one. Jude just has 25 verses. It's a powerful epistle. Verse 21 is the only one I want to read. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ through eternal life. Because that's what it's all about. Bringing us into the kingdom. Giving us eternal life. Not to play harps in the kingdom. But to do the will of God in the kingdom. Whatever he has planned for us. That's what it's all about, brethren. That's what it's all about. Now let it be known... The Bible does talk about the things that are going to come up in the kingdom. It talks about crowns. It talks about <clears throat> being rulers. So we're not going to be playing on hearts or looking at the beatific vision. We're going to be busy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. We've, I've read this many times, and many many of us have read it but in the context of the message today, what advantage is there in following Jesus Christ? The things that I've brought out so far are fantastic and wonderful and they're a glory. And, but there's also th- some things that we are going to have in the kingdom of God that's so, going to be so wonderful. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 8, he says... Hereafter there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but to all them that also love his appearance. A crown usually indicates some kind of royalty or rulership. The crown of righteousness would be a crown. Of, that would be a part of the, the ruling of God's way, of God's truth. I believe, I think that's probably, I, I hope that's correct in the way I'm thinking about it. It's not just a spiritual thing. I think we will actually receive some kind of a, a responsibility, a crown of rulership. And the righteousness that we will preach is the, kingdom, is the truth of the word of God and that we will enforce. In James, the first chapter, I think all of us are very familiar with these because I know I've brought them out many times, but I love this because it encourages me. It, me. it encourages me to understand that God has a place for each and every person and a responsibility there. James 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. A crown of life forever, eternity, special, given to each individual. In 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, First Peter five. In verse four. And when the chief shepherd, remember what it said in in John, we are his sheep, we have a chief shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Crown of glory, that means you have responsibility. You are glorified to do the will of God in the kingdom of God. In that kingdom, there will be rulership. I love this verse in Isaiah, three verses. I like to turn to it a lot because I am very encouraged by it. I'm very encouraged that someday, Not only will God come back, but we will be a part of it. We will have a part in it. We will be able to to serve mankind in a way that we can't do today. We can preach the gospel. We can get the gospel message out because we're commanded to do that. And we do it the best we can with the money that we have. But someday in the kingdom, as we are given those crowns, those special crowns, we're going to be a part of this kingdom that's going to come. In Isaiah, the second chapter, verse 2, It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall exalt; shall be exalted above the hills, and the nation shall flow to it. So there's going to be a government that's going to be established. Brethren, you're going to be a part of it, and I'm going to be a part of it, and we're going to be um, working to bring absolute total and complete peace for this earth because this earth is going to be in shambles and it's going to be chaotic and it's going to be devastating God is going to have to intervene before it's totally destroyed as Jesus said if he didn't intervene all flesh would be destroyed we have the capability in this society in this world to destroy every living thing, except for maybe the cockroaches. It's a it's a sad thing to think that they might survive and probably would would mutate to some degree because it doesn't seem like they hardly get rid of them. They're always there. But God will intervene before that happens. Before all of mankind is totally and completely destroyed. Verse 3, it says, And many people shall go and say, Come you, let us go up to the mountain, to that kingdom that's set up in Jerusalem of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we will walk in the paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. They will come. They will want to learn. They will want to hear the message after the near destruction of this world. There still will be judgment. So that means there's still going to be people left. So there's going to need to be judges. There's going to need to be people that are being, <coughs> spirit beings that are going to be able to, to reach out and to teach and to train and, and to help and sometimes even to correct. They shall judge among the nations. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall bear, beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation; neither shall they learn war any more. That hasn't happened. None of this has happened yet. It's future. It's coming. One day, on this earth, this will happen. This will be a part of the world. We will be a part of that. One last thought. One last scripture. Let's turn to Revelation. Actually, I could read all of these wonderful things here in the book of Revelation, but I think I'm going to leave that for you to read them, so you'll be encouraged. Remember, your gifts, your wonderful gifts are written for you, for each and every one of us in this book. When he talked about the churches, none of those churches really exist today. They are us. We are a part of it. And he says to those that have an ear to hear, let them hear. They're written for our day and age. And so in Revelation, the second chapter, two verses, 26 and 27. And he that overcomes and keeps my works to the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Remember, we've been talking about rulership. We've been talking about having a responsibility on this earth. It's not just to twiddle our thumbs. God has a a plan. He always has a plan. He always has something already planned out long before it ever happens. Long before it ever happens. Remember, he talked about predestinating those things to, to happen. Well, he had a plan that this that we would be a part of it maybe he didn't know or maybe he did who each individual was but he had a plan he that uh, let's see let's continue to read to him will I give power over the nations he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my Father. Why we will have to do that, I have, I have no idea. Are there going to be that many incorrigible people that we're going to have to hit them over the head to get them to believe, to understand that they no longer can just do whatever they want to do? That they're going to have to believe in God? That they're going to have to believe in the sons of God? That they're going to have to believe in the kingdom of God? Obviously something is is... There's going to be a bunch of hard-headed people that are going to have to, to be taken care of. And let's hope that we can break them so that they will believe and that they will come to repentance. And I will give him the morning star. And he says here at the end, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So these, this information is for us today. It is for us at this time. And it has been since this book was written, since the New Testament was written, since this book has been published. It's been for all saints to understand and to come to, to, to learn. So what advantage? We just went through a few things. I haven't covered all the things that so many advantages of following this way of life. We have the love of God. I mean, He showed it to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He continues to show it by living in us, by teaching us, by training, by being being patient with us. We have the love of God and of Christ. There is that thing called grace. And sometimes we don't quite understand all of that, what God is doing with Grace. and the hope of eternal life. And the glorious, wonderful, many rewards. Brethren, that is the advantage we have in Christ Jesus.